Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity now to get into your word together. Thank you that you are our teacher. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Speak to us now. And Jesus, as you use parables, common sayings and themes and thoughts to minister to people in your day and age, use this simplistic metaphorical message today to minister to us in 2014. I pray that we can grasp what you have for us. We may not get all of this, but I know you've got something for us today. As usual, Lord, help me to preach. Help me to teach. Help your people to hear and help all of us to apply. For we ask all of this in the only name, the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. While speaking to the young people the last few weeks, I spent time in the Old Testament book of Daniel. And we brought several messages from those narratives about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to encourage our students to make a stand for Christ in a world that is tempting them and testing them and calling them to bow down to every idol and evil inclination that you can name. But we have a remnant here, a remnant of righteous young people who are saying, I'm not going out like everybody else because I'm not like everybody else. By the grace of God, as Paul said, I am who I am in the Lord. And I don't apologize for that, but we also said as, a, as adults, those messages just weren't for teens, but they're also for us as well, to be people who will go against the tide and the current of negativity in our culture, to be men and women who follow Christ Jesus, who walk the way Christ walked, First John chapter 2, verse 6, to let our light so shine before men and women that they may know that we serve the living God. And in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, we talked about how the king, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, had a dream. And in this dream, he saw a statue, and it was made of various types of metals. The head was made of gold, if you remember. We talked about that. The chest and arms were made of silver. The stomach was made of bronze and the thighs and the legs were made of iron and the feet and the toes were a combination of iron and clay. And Daniel was able to interpret for King Nebuchadnezzar what that dream meant because it represented five different kingdoms through world history. The first was Babylon. Babylon was the head of gold. Following the Babylonians would be the Medo-Persian Empire, the two arms, Medo-Persian Empire, who would defeat the Babylonians. Following them would be the Greeks, who would defeat the Medo-Persians. And then the Romans, representing the iron, would defeat the Greeks. And today we are in the time of this union, this confederacy of countries that are mixed together 
this iron and this clay as we await for the stone to come that is hewn out of a mountain without hands that will come and smash humanism, that will come and smash the governments of men because the government will be on his shoulder. And we're talking about the rock. His name is Jesus Christ. He is coming again. Everything he said is true. And he told his disciples that he would return. So we're waiting for Jesus to come as the rock from heaven to reign and to rule on earth as well as in glory. And so Daniel interpreted that dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And then in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar made a solid gold statue. Basically saying, forget the other nations that will come after me. We believe that the Babylonians will rule forever. And that went into the whole, everyone needs to bow down to the statue. But I want to call your attention to something very poignant in that vision. And that is the kingdoms, how they would align. That the Babylonians would be defeated by the Medo-Persians. That happened in 539 B.C., helping to free the way for the Jews to come back to Jerusalem, as was prophesied in Jeremiah 25 by Jeremiah, the prophet of God, that the uh, captivity would only last 70 years. God is true to his word. But then the Greeks under Alexander the Great, they defeated the Medo-Persian Empire. And the thing about the Greek, the Greek culture is that they gave us this thing called Hellenism. And Hellenism is what the Greeks brought into culture. And one of the things Hellenism or Greek culture brought into the world was Greek mythology. Greek mythology amongst many things, but Greek mythology. And then when the Romans took over from the Greeks, they simply renamed the gods after Roman names. So Zeus, for instance, under the Greeks, would be called Jupiter under the Romans, and so on and so forth. But during that time, there were people in Bible days who worshipped what we call today Greek mythology. They thought those gods were real. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 14, Verse 12, while Paul and Barnabas were ministering in the city of Lystra, the people said that the gods have come down to us because this was a Greek culture. They said that Barnabas was Zeus and they said that Paul was Hermes because he was the main communicator. And so in that day and time, people took that stuff seriously. They believed in Zeus and Athena and Poseidon and Aphrodite and Apollo and Hermes and Artemis. And what they worship today, we, we, we call comic book characters today. What they worship back then, we, we, we call comic book characters now. No, no one takes that stuff seriously. Because once again, coming to the big screen, we see the son of Zeus, Hercules, and he will be played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson in another adaptation of The Man of Strength. And so today, I, I want to talk about a comic book character today, if you would permit me. I want to talk about the greatest comic book character ever created. I think you may know him. He's faster than a speeding bullet. He's more powerful than a locomotive. 
He is able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it is Superman. It is Superman. So before you write me off and leave this church, turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. Don't leave just yet. Don't turn me off. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Because similar to Superman was the high priest. And I say similar to Superman because the high priest had super responsibilities. The high priest had super authority. And everyone looked up to the high priest, just like people in the world of comics looked up to Superman. Because the high priest served as a mediator between God and man. The mediator stood representing God to the people and also representing the people to God. So this was a super responsibility, giving this person super authority. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the background of this book, the writer is proving that Jesus is better. He's better than anything and everybody. In the earlier chapters, the writer proves that Christ is better than all of the angels. For to which of the angels did God say that you are my son and in you I am well pleased? None of the angels. So Jesus is superior to the angels. But not only that, he's even more, he's greater than Moses. He's superior to Moses, the great lawgiver for the Jewish people. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying that, yeah, uh, the house is glorious, but the one who built the house has more glory than the house. Yeah, Moses had glory, but the one who called Moses and who holds all things together has more glory than Moses. So Jewish people look beyond Moses and see Yeshua, the Messiah. But then he gets into chapters 4 and 5, and he introduces the priesthood, which these are concepts and terms that are very prevalent to the Jewish mind and listener. And so he is proving that the priesthood of Jesus is greater than the first priesthood, which was the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron, the brother of Moses, he started the priesthood. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying that there's a better priesthood because there's a better priest and his name is Jesus Christ. And so when we come to chapter five, the writer gets into some details about the ministry of the high priest, lowercase h, lowercase p, to remind us of the great high priest, capital H, capital P, Jesus Christ himself. Because for the high priest, everything came down to one day. I hope you're following me. That one day was the day of atonement. Because for the Jews, once a year on the day of atonement, the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies. Remember, the Jews had a tabernacle. Then they built the temple. And in the tabernacle and in the temple, they had the holy place. Then they had the Holy of Holies or the most holy place where there was this veil that uh, divided the holy room. And the high priest could only go behind that veil one time a year to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. 
Because behind that veil was the Ark of the Covenant. You know that holy box that represented the presence of God amongst the people of God. And on top of that box was a lid called the mercy seat. So the high priest would go in taking the blood as God prescribed and sprinkle on the mercy seat as an atonement for the sins of the nation of Israel. He did that once a year. But as we'll see, before that priest went in to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people, he had to first have blood sacrificed for him because you just couldn't come all into the presence of God because you could get killed. And so God was wanting to establish himself as holy amongst the people, and the high priest had to be reverent of God, and he had to go in properly, and he had to put blood on his ear and blood on his uniform. All of those things, he had to cover himself first before he could go in and cover the sins of the people. So the writer of Hebrews says, oh, my Christ is so much better than Aaron. Let's prove it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. It says, for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 2, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness, to weakness. So the high priest is a sinner himself. So in the King James Version, that word weakness is translated as infirmity. Every high priest had infirmities and weaknesses. Verse 3, because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. So there it is. He had to offer a sacrifice for himself before he can offer a sacrifice for the people because he, like the people, were weak. They had infirmities. They sinned. They fell short of God's glory. Verse 4, and no one takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. So Aaron was called by God to start the Aaronic priesthood. And so today, let me talk to you on a subject that's taken from chapter 5, verse 2, where it talks about how Aaron and every priest that followed him all were subject to weakness, to weakness. So permit me, if you would, speaking parabolically, metaphorically, let me kind of insert the word kryptonite for weakness. L let me just, come on now, go with me. Don't be so spiritual. You can't go with me because every movie, well, not every movie, but many movies, if you look deep, you'll find redemptive themes You'll find Jesus in many movies and many characters because the world is going to the greatest story ever told in order to tell their story. So look for the redemptive heroes and look for the villains. But today, I'm going to talk about kryptonite. Kryptonite. Kryptonite was Superman's only weakness. Kryptonite was a fictitious radioactive substance from Superman's home planet called Krypton. It is a green glowing meteorite fragment. And Superman, who is invulnerable and impervious to pain, has his strength nullified by this small, little, yet potent substance. And prolonged exposure to kryptonite 
his only weakness. Prolonged exposure would cause him to lose strength, even become nauseous, and it could even kill him. And that's why his enemy, Lex Luthor, knew that if I can get my hands on kryptonite, I can destroy Superman. So whenever Superman would fight Lex Luthor, at some point he's going to have to deal with kryptonite, his only weakness. So let me talk about kryptonite for the final minutes I have to encourage God's people on how to overcome our kryptonic weaknesses. If the high priest had weaknesses, we all have weaknesses. I got weaknesses, you got weaknesses, all of God's children got weaknesses. So if Superman had a weakness, super saints have weaknesses as well. I just need some of the proud and the arrogant folk just to come down a little bit and recognize that you're not all that. You're only standing by the grace of God, and don't you dare forget it. We all have weaknesses, and the wise person, as Christy said, is one who is aware of his or her weaknesses. So number one, fam, let's be honest about our kryptonite. Let's be honest about it. The high priest was subject to weakness like everyone else. His robe that he had to wear with the turban on the head and all that, and with the ephod and the special undergarments, all of that did not make him righteous. The only thing that allowed him to be righteous in the presence of God was not what he wore, but was the blood that was applied to him. You see, God has always acquired and required blood. Back when Adam and Eve sinned, God slew an animal, and then he covered their nakedness. The animal died, not Adam and Eve that day. Um, The Day of Atonement, animals died for the people. So God has always required blood. And so Aaron, the first priest who needed blood in order to get into the presence of God, was a very, very weak man who had many infirmities Oh, I don't have time to tell you, but you know the story back in the book of Exodus when Moses is up on the mountaintop getting the commands from God, and he is gone for 40 days and 40 nights. The people begin to get restless. For where there is no revelation, the people begin to cast off restraint. They don't have a word from God, so they're getting antsy. And so they go to Aaron, the high priest, Moses' brother, the second in command, and say, we don't know where this Moses is. Would you lead us? And so sensing the pressure from the people, Aaron said, give me all your gold. And they gave him their gold earrings, nose rings, and all that stuff. And he put it into the fire, melted it down, and they made a golden calf out of it. You remember the story. And the people began to worship the golden calf because it took their minds back to Egypt from where they came from, where There was so much idolatry in the land. They couldn't worship the one true invisible God. They needed an idol because their faith was being tested. So they turned to an idol reminding us of where we came from. We're worshiping this golden calf. And not only did they worship it, but they prostituted themselves around it. And there was a massive orgy that day. And so all of this is in the Bible. So God said to Moses, they up on the mountaintop enjoying great time together. God said to Moses, you better get back down that mountain because your people are bugging. Now, isn't this something that God didn't say that they were his people at that moment? 
He said, Moses, your people, just like sometime with my kids, when they tripping, I'll say, Darina, your kids are bugging. But when they bring home A's and stuff, my kids are smart. So God said, uh, you better get down there because your people are tripping. Moses and Joshua start coming down the mountain together, and they hear this noise. Joshua says, it is the sound of battle. Moses says, "Uh uh-uh, that's the sound of a party. I hear Jamaica funk pumping right now. They down there bugging right now. He comes down there. He sees this sight. He comes to Aaron, the high priest. All of his robes and great phylacteries and, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron, what happened? (laughs) Well, you know these people, man. (laughs) They came up to me and they said, Aunt Moses is taking a long time. So, so, so this is what they did. They, they gave me their gold. I, I put it in the furnace, and boop, out came this calf. And they started worshiping it. I'm telling you, that's what he said. He deflected like a lot of us do. You know, the blame game, which started with Adam and Eve in the garden, is so much quicker to point a finger at somebody than to point a thumb at yourself. You take that. That was free in the sermon. Just take that. Put that away. So rather than saying, I messed up, no, he blamed the people. And so from the first priest, high priest, we see weakness. And his weakness was people pleasing. Anybody else in here deal with that? That if people just ain't happy, you're not happy. So you go around trying to please everybody, even if that means you compromise with your God. Because you're more concerned about what people think than about what God has said. And so all of us deal with that to some degree, you know, where we want people to like us. But truly following Christ and picking up a cross, you're going to have some enemies. Everybody's not going to like you. So let's cheer up. Moses' kryptonite was anger. Broad man had an anger problem. Now, men, a lot of us have anger issues. Moses, when he saw the orgy and the party going on, He threw down the tablets that God had just made up on the mountaintop. Just smashed them. Boom! Threw them down. Then we know he didn't get into the promised land because the people, uh, uh, they were thirsty. God told them, hey, man, speak to the rock and give them some water. But this time, his last nerve had got stepped on. Anybody ever had that last nerve get stepped on? They had been messing with him all these years in the wilderness. He's falling down, praying for them. Lord, don't destroy him, Lord. But this time, it was the wrong day for Mo. They said, we thirsty, we thirsty. God said, speak to the rock. Moses struck the rock twice. Water just gushed out. And God said to Moses, because he holds leaders to a higher level of accountability, he says, because you dishonored me before the people, you will not enter into the promised land. I'll let you go up to the mountain and look over and see it, but you won't get in there because you dishonored me before the people. Wow. Anger. Noah's kryptonite was alcohol. Oh, yes, here's another man of God, trusting God all these years. It had never rained on the earth before, and God tells him to build a boat. People are tripping on him, a boat the size of three football fields. And then animals are coming two by two. He has all his great faith. But then soon as the mission was accomplished, he went and got drunk. Alcohol was his kryptonite. Then he ended up cursing family members. Abraham's kryptonite was lying. She's not my sister. I mean, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Wait a minute, man. 
I saw you kissing on her. Well, you, well, 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 she uh, on my mother, father's, uncle, brother's side, uh, technically, uh, Sarah's kryptonite was impatience. I can't wait on God to bring this promised child. Come here, Hagar. Her kryptonite was impatience. Anybody ever been there? You can't wait on God, so you think you're going to help God out only to make the situation worse? Samson's kryptonite was women. Brother couldn't have one. He couldn't have two. He needed a thousand ladies, and they turned his heart from God. David's kryptonite was pride. Judas's kryptonite was money. Sold Jesus out for money. Peter's crypt, and that's another proof that when you can give it, you prove that it's not your God. But when you hold on to your money, you've made your money an idol, and you can't serve God in money. Who are you going to serve? You going to serve God? Or you going to serve your money? The proof that you serve God is that you give the money when He says give it, and you give it freely and cheerfully. Why? Because it's all His anyway, and whatever I need, He's going to supply it. Not the man downtown. I, I should have got an amen on that. And then Peter's kryptonite was his mouth. He should have wore peppermint socks as much as he had his foot in his mouth. He always said stuff. He was impetuous. His mouth. Anybody got a mouth problem? That's your weakness. Somebody say, now I'm going to share this with you in confidence. It's a prayer request. And it's some juicy gossip. As soon as you get it, you go open your mouth and tell somebody else as a prayer request, too. You know, you just can't control your mouth. Or the cussing, the fussing, the slandering. What's your kryptonite? Is it gossip? Is your weakness worry? Is your infirmity jealousy? You just don't like to see other people get blessed. Is it envy, resentment, selfishness? What about laziness? Stealing. Exact stealing. If I go over your house, how many Strong Tower Bible Church chairs will be at your house? How about exaggerating? That's a sin. It comes from your insecurity. It's a weakness, which a lot of pastors have. We have this thing where we exaggerate. Uh, Doc, how many of y'all got at your church? And when a pastor says we've got about 500 or 2,000, you know, when they say about, that's where the sinning is happening right there. Because we think if we got a lot of people, that makes us look more important. How many records you sell, man? How many yards did you rush for? Uh, how much money did you make? And we've got to exaggerate. Or we exaggerate what our spouse is doing to us because, you know, hey, uh, maybe he didn't take the trash out, but you're saying, oh, he beat me, child. We exaggerate. It's a weakness. What about prejudice? How about smoking weed? Oh, yeah, that's a weakness for many of the saints because we say, oh, it's from the earth. God created the earth. It's natural. You know, nobody got pulled over with a DUI smoking weed. And we use weed. I need to devote a whole sermon to weed. I do need to do that. But here's one. Ouch. How about overeating? Yeah, yeah. We don't eat, you know, to satisfy. We eat till we're stuffed and gorged. A bad attitude. You just got a stank attitude. When we see you in the morning, you stank. See you in the afternoon, you stank. See you in the evening, you just stank. Stank in the morning, stank in the afternoon, stank in the evening. You just got a bad attitude. You just mad. 
What about technology? That's your weakness. Every time you get a phone, blink, blink, boop, 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 it's ringing at night. Got the phone. Go out on a date with your wife. Got the phone. Technology. What about unbelief? Because you're worshiping yourself. That's the greatest weakness there is. Well, one of the toughest things for a Christian to do is to admit that he or she has a weakness, has kryptonite. Because until you can admit your, admit your weak, you can never get healed by the Lord in that area. But if you think you're doing fine, the Lord can't help you. And so we got to admit, man, I've got a weakness. James 1.14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Your stuff may not be my stuff, but we all got stuff. But each one, by his own desires, we're drawn away. Now, LeBron James made his decision to leave Miami and go back to Cleveland. He broke up the big three. He broke the big three, man. They were supposed to win not one, not two, not three, not four. They could only get two. And then he left and broke up the big three. Well, as your pastor, I want to confess to you my big three today. Because we all got issues. I know what mine are. I know what my own issues and lust and challenges are. So humbly, I say before you, as a man of God who is still a man. Number one, anger. Every now and then, man, anger can just jump up on me. Anger, which is really rooted in pride, it'll jump up on me. And, man, I'll be arrogant against my wife or my kids, even frustrating my kids with my pride because I don't want to be wrong about something. I don't want to be corrected. Pride, pride. Or I'm worrying about what you think, which is another form of pride. But then there's also fear, which also is rooted in self and not in the Lord. Fear, I start fearing what you think, what you're going to say, what the world is doing. I start operating by fear. But then there's lust, lust. I'm wanting women who are not my wife. And I'm walking through the mall, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. Old ladies walking by, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. Now, your struggle may be pornography. You may be on the Internet, man, looking at big this and big that. That's not my struggle. Used to deal with pornography in magazines as a high schooler and a teenager, masturbation, those kind of things. But he brought deliverance in my life through him and through accountability. But I'm still a man. If you come out Tuesdays, we'll talk about it for real. It has been said that where people go to Alcoholics Anonymous to work through their issues, it's more real in AA than it is in most churches because we come with these masks on trying to act like we all that when deep down we are broken, busted, and disgusted, and we need grace from God. He's not only your Savior from back when you got saved, he's your Savior today. You need him today. I need him today. Save me, Lord. I need your help. Deliver me from lust and anger and fear today. Now, I don't know what your big three are, but everybody's got something. And you got to be honest about it. And then you got to turn from your kryptonite. Superman never played with kryptonite, man, because he knew what it could do with him, to him. So turn from it. Don't play with it. 1 Peter 3.11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace 
and pursue it. I'll say this quickly. Sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit, whereby he sets us apart from the ruling power of sin and conforms us to the image of Christ. But sanctification is not only a work of the Spirit, but there's work I've got to do by working with him and yielding to him and submitting to him. So together, he and I are able to see things change in our lives over a process of time whereby I am turning from junk and I'm turning to him or I'm turning to him so that I don't turn to other stuff. Sanctification, it's about turning from and turning to. Thirdly, confess your kryptonite to God and man. Confess it. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me say this. Sometimes your strength can end up being your weakness because we can get arrogant in our strength. Because we got some people, man, they are so confident, and that's a strength. But there's a thin line between confidence and arrogance. And I think one of the things that is most shameful is an arrogant Christian. How can you be arrogant when you recognize all that Jesus did to save you from sin? If we take daily strolls by the cross, how can any of us walk in pride? Now, it may rise up, but we got to put it down quickly because the gospel calls us to. But then also confess your trespasses, not only to God, but confess them to one another, James 5, 16. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The reason why some of us are struggling is because we keep trying to do it by ourselves. And Jesus didn't save you to be by yourself. He saved you and built you for community. And that goes beyond coming to church on Sunday. You've got to get people in your life. You've got to get in their lives. Two have got to walk together in agreement in order to have progress in this life. What I love about Superman is that he had friends who knew what his weakness was. So if he was at the Kryptonic Club one night, fooling around with the Kryptonic women, drinking that Kryptonic gin and juice, smoking on that Kryptonic weed, watching them bad Kryptonic movies, saying bad Kryptonic things, Batman, Aquaman, and the Green Lantern would roll up and say, hey, homie, this ain't what, this ain't up right here. Come on, homie. You know better than this. You keep on tooting on that, it'll kill you. You keep on eating that, it'll kill you. You keep on talking to her, it'll kill you. You keep on misspending God's money like that, it's going to kill you. Come on, man, get out of there. How many of us got those kind of homies and homettes? that we can confess our stuff to, and they can hold us accountable. Because when we bring our kryptonite to the light, it loses some of its power. But you keep that thing secret. You just nurse that thing, it's going to be a stronghold. You won't get free from it. But the minute you confess it to God, confess it to somebody that you trust, pray for me, pray with me, help me. Oh, my, I've been talking bad to my husband. I've been disrespecting my wife. Man, I've been abusing God's money. I haven't been taking care of my temple. Hold me accountable. Oh, my, Krypton just loses its power. And then you can finally help others with their kryptonite. Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Yeah, you got some victory, but you can fall at any time. Help restore somebody. That word restore means to mend, as if you're mending a broken bone. 
We should care for each other in the body of Christ, not condemn people who have fallen. If somebody's struggling, we should be there to help them. And that's why Pastor Daryl is doing discipleship counseling so that people can know you don't have to just come to a pastor to get help. We all can help each other out. If we get into the word and we get comforted with the comforts of God, I can turn around and comfort you with what he comforted me with. I can help you with what he's helping me with. That's the body of Jesus Christ. But I love Superman because when he helped people, he helped other people without judging them. So therefore, don't look down on people because they struggle with a different kind of kryptonite than you do. Yeah, the homosexual thing may not be your thing. Okay, that ain't your kryptonite. But if somebody else's, maybe they got abused or there was confusion when they were born. We don't know what kind of environment. But they came to Christ and they want to come through that. Don't judge them. Don't even judge people who are lost. Sinners do what sinners do. Fulfill their job description. They're going to sin. Don't condemn them. Love them to Jesus. Yes, speak the truth. But man, don't condemn because that ain't your struggle. We all have struggles. So finally, be honest about your kryptonite, family. Turn from your kryptonite. Confess your kryptonite and help others with their kryptonite. Does that make any sense? Well, Superman knew his only weakness, y'all. He knew it was kryptonite. And he knew if I was exposed or he was exposed to kryptonite for too long, he would get sick and die. So the only thing, the only thing that could protect Superman from kryptonite was lead. <laughs> Come on, comic book readers. Superman would don himself in a lead suit because the effects of the kryptonite could not penetrate through the lead to get to him. So when Lex Luthor, the enemy, came with the kryptonite, Superman found himself a lead suit and put that on so that he could fight the enemy because he was protected by the lead. Oh, I think you know where I'm going. That The only thing, and I'm going to preach this in the name of Jesus, the only thing that can protect us from our weaknesses, from the vices of the enemy, and from our kryptonite is the blood of Jesus Christ. That when you get dressed in the blood of Jesus, the blood is God's solution. When I see the blood, the death angel will pass over. You see, we're talking about the life of Christ when we talk about the blood of Jesus. The blood represents the life. So I am covered in the life of Christ. Who's going to get me through my weaknesses? Jesus Christ. The one who gave his life for me so that I can have abundant life in him. And he doesn't want this to overcome me. He's the overcomer in me. He wants us to overcome this weakness together. May not get there in this life, but man, we are making progress. I tell you what, we're walking together. This weakness will not take me out. Why? Because greater is the one in me than anything that's in the world or even in my flesh. Therefore, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from sin. Hebrews 13, 12, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own 
blood suffered outside the gate. Religion won't make you right. Rules and rituals won't make you right. Only a relationship with the one who shed his blood will make you right. Revelation 12, 11, we sang it today. And they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives me the power to live for Christ. So today, every weakness, I'm measured against the blood of Jesus. And I say, this thing that wants to take me away from God, take me away from my family, is it greater than the blood of Jesus? Absolutely not. Jesus, give me strength to walk through this weakness in your name. Because for Superman, y'all, when there was danger all around, he'd be walking around as Clark Kent. Chilling, newspaper, a bumbling idiot. But soon as danger jumps, something pops off on the east side of town. That brother goes looking, looking for a phone booth. Because when he goes into the phone booth, he's going in as Clark Kent, but he's going to come out of that phone booth as Superman, and he's going to deal with whatever's going down in town. Y'all know how it goes. He goes into the phone booth, comes out, and he's ripping his shirt. He's ripped, And when he rips that shirt, you see that S underneath. And when that S starts showing, that's when the theme music starts playing. You know, how the theme Well, I'm here to let you know today I'm not Clark Kent, and I'm not Superman. My name is Chris Williamson, and I am a saint of God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a saint of God. I'm not looking for a phone booth, but you give me a prayer closet, and I'll come up out of that prayer closet recognizing who I am in Christ. Matter of fact, that is right there. That is right there. Uh Uh-huh. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And this red S right here, it don't stand for Superman. It stands for saved by the blood of Jesus. The enemy can't touch me. This S right here, it stands for sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It stands for spirit filled by the work of Jesus. There to my heart was the blood applied. I'm singing glory to his name. Thank you, Jesus, for covering your people. Let's walk in the victory that we're destined to walk in and stop making excuses for our weaknesses. In Jesus' name, amen.